real quickly, again, I just want to express my thanks and gratitude for this church. I absolutely love this church family. We started Freedom about four and a half, almost five years ago um, in January of 2018. And it's just been an absolute honor and a fun ride. Like this is the most fun I've ever had in a church in my life. Uh, we tell people we want you to take next steps in your faith with Jesus, and we want to do those together. And we hear story after story of people taking steps of faith, people giving their life to Jesus, people getting baptized, people stepping up and serving, God moving and saying, hey, I want you to go have this conversation or make this invite or, or build this relationship, and people doing those. And we, ha we see time and time again not only God moving in their lives, but we call them God sightings around here. We have God sightings, one after another after another, of where did you see God move in your life? Where did you see God move in someone else's life? And we just love hearing God sightings. God's on the move. We, even if you don't see them, even if you don't feel them, even if in these cases um, you don't like the circumstances, and we'll talk about it in a minute, something exciting's happening. God's moving. Um, those two phrases are important. I saw Rita kind of laugh. She knows um, when we started Freedom Church, those two phrases were uh, integral part of our lives for a couple years of something exciting is happening and getting stronger. Those two things, because we were in a season of like, God, I have zero clue what you are up to. I don't know what you're doing. I don't like it. And so laugh or cry, because that was basically uh, kind of where it was at in that season, we would just look at each other whenever some sort of news came that wasn't maybe the most cheery or the, the, the thing that we wanted to see happen. We'd look at each other and say, something exciting's happening. And we kind of fist bump and like getting stronger. And we would say it jokingly. We would say it just kind of as a surface level kind of faking it because we really just wanted to cry. But we also kind of said it out of faith, too. Like, no, I really do believe God's doing something, too. So you can have all of those things wrapped into one package. Paul in here, as we talked about last week, and we're in this series called Happy, talking about joy. Paul is writing from prison. He's, he's older now. He's 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 done a lot of ministry and a lot of things, and he's writing a very personal thank you letter to the Church of Philippians, which we are going through in this series. And he, he's writing, he, and he, he references it here, that I'm in chains. And so I want to talk about just a few things in life that can be killjoys in life. Things that suck the happiness out of us, and this is one of the most happy-filled books that you will read in the Bible talking about joy. So last week we talked about the struggle to find happiness. And Paul says here that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. So the first kill joy, if you're taking life, the first thing that can suck the joy right out of life is our circumstances. Circumstances can definitely uh, just, just wreck us. Now, Paul, he has this great summary that we could even use in our lives, but it's interesting. He says, what has happened to me has actually served to help advance the gospel. What, well, what has happened to you, Paul? And we talked about last week what happened to him in Philippi when he first started that church. Some good, some bad. If you were there, you talk like bad, like really, really bad. But just previously to while Paul's in prison, what led up to that? He was illegally 
arrested and unjustly arrested in Jerusalem. He was held in Jerusalem for two years um, under, under arrest. Then he, while he was under arrest, he appealed to Caesar to say, hey, I want to take my case before Caesar, which was allowed to Roman citizens. So they shipped him from Jerusalem to Rome. On the way there, shipwrecked, stranded on an island for three months. While he was on that island, got bitten by a snake. All of this is recorded in the, in the book of Acts. And here he is now um, in, in Rome, but he's in chain. He, no, no privacy, no freedom, but he's got a pen and he's got a paper. And we talked about how last week that Paul was driven not by his circumstances and his joy, but by his perspective. He had a God-sized perspective. What has happened to me is really messed up. What has happened to me has served to advance the gospel. I'll sum it up like that. I, I have perspective here on how things are going. So what looks like complete failure from the world's perspective, we talked about this last week too, just a quick review. Paul had a dream from the beginning. When he, get, he used to murder Christians. He, used, he was the one that put them in jail. All right? And then he got knocked off his high horse, gave his life to Christ, and now he's on this mission. And ever since he gave his life to Christ, he had a mission to say, hey, i got to have this dream to preach in Rome. I, to, to, to go to the center of the world, in a sense, where all the powers are at, where everything is. It's a very strategic place. I want to go preach there. So you can only imagine, I'm kind of, uh, speculating, but just the idea of like, hey, it wants to go to the Colosseum. I want to have crusade after crusade after crusade in the sense of like just seeing revival just break out in Rome and all over the world. Like he just wanted to get the word out. And here he is in chains in a prison. You can only imagine the perspective that he had, the failure that, that he is, in a sense, the seemingly the failure that he is facing in this. Well, you used to throw people in jail and kill them, and look where you're at. You get what you deserve. You can only imagine what races through his mind. But as we learned last week, happiness and joy is not based on happenings. It is not based on circumstances, all right? It is based on God's plan. Happiness is a byproduct of right thinking and right living. Happiness is a byproduct of right thinking and right living. And he said last week, if you want to listen to that sermon, he said, gratitude. Every time I think of you, Church of Philippi, I give thanks for you. All right? I give thanks for you, and I have vision. I have vision for what God's doing. Perspective. He's driven by perspective. I am in chains for Christ. Vision. Perspective. And he gives that to us. So happy people have that vision, and they are grateful people. He goes on. He says, um, the former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I'm in chains. But what does it matter? Killjoy number two, people. <laughs> uh, to be more specific, our critics, picky people. People can drain us. And Paul here has people who out of whatever motives, impure or whatever, who are coming against him, wanting to use his situation to, to, to knock him down a notch. And Paul says, the important thing, that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. Now, this is, this is what's beautiful. Paul's older now. 
And you, like, what does it matter? He's not driven by what people say or think about him. And how I wish in my younger years, but even now in my, my 40s, what does it matter, Mike? Why are you so, so, so driven by what people think or what people say or what their motives are? Here's a happiness hint. I don't need other permission, others' permission to be happy. To be driven by people's emotions or what people say or what they, it, I don't need their permission to be happy. Now, I love my wife and I love my spouse and I do want her to be happy. But if she comes in the room and she is unhappy, I don't have to follow her down that path. I, I don't need my wife's permission or anyone's permission to be happy, nor does she need my permission to be happy. God has created her whole and has a, a plan and a purpose for her life. And so Paul here is like, I got people against me. Who cares? And we see this all the time. Let's just talk in the church world. All right. We are we live in a culture and I see this happen all the time in, in doctrinal issues. Did you hear what that pastor said? Do you know what these songs mean in worship songs? Do you hear about this church and what they believe here and here and here? And I, this I always drive back to this verse when I hear churches complaining about other churches or other pastors. What? Does it matter if Christ is preached? What does it matter? No, but they, they had this view, or they said this, or they have this motive, and they're just doing it for selfish gain, and this and this. What does it matter? I realize there's consequences for bad behavior in church, believe me, and I'm not ignoring those at all. But Paul is driven, he is driven by purpose here. The purpose is Christ is preached. The gospel is preached. So whether their motives are pure or impure, as long as Christ is preached, he takes it so far as he says, I will rejoice at that. Woo! Now we don't see this in Christian world today. We want to leverage our, our arguments and throw grenades. But this goes beyond just church world. So what? They cut you off in traffic. What does it matter? We would, we would save ourselves so much sleep and so much anxiety if, if we could just have this tattooed on our arm or our forehead. What does it matter? Your day just went off the rails because someone you don't know just cut you off. I wish I could say this to my kids. I do say this to my kids. Oh, he called me stupid, or he's looking at me funny. Ignore him. What? Say it with me. What does it matter? I didn't go to my 20-year high school reunion. All right? But I kind of, like on social media, I, I, I get friends that come across, and I'm like, I don't even know who you are. But if I could talk to my teenage self, Mike, what, say, what does it matter? I was so bent out of shape over so many things, and I don't even know who they are anymore. The people I was trying to impress. Do you remember that thing 
that thing that was done like 15 years ago for you, that, that stain on the carpet or that marker that was on the wall or that time where that person was making you late and it made you look real bad. Do you remember that 15 years ago when that happened? No, I don't either. I don't, whatever I was so upset about and so just outraged about of what was going, I don't remember these things. What does it matter is an important phrase for our joy. To, to learn what I, what I call the shoulder shrug. Is this going to matter 15 years from now? There are some things, believe me, and you know, that do matter 15 years from now. Okay, I'm not disregarding those. But like 95%, uh, I don't even remember. I can barely remember what I was mad at last week. Paul has the ability to shoulder shrug. I'm, not, I'm driven by purpose here. This other stuff is, is just surface-level vanity things that I'm, I don't concern myself about. What is important now as I'm, as I'm nearing the end here is that Christ is preached. This is the number one thing that needs to happen. This is what people need to know. Nothing else is going to matter, as he's going to talk about in chapter 3. So let's focus in on this. Beautiful passage of Scripture. Now, third, third thing, third killjoy besides people, besides uh, circumstances, is misplaced priorities. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Many of us, when it comes to joy and happiness, we may never say this, but we kind of live like this. If this, then this. If I get this promotion or if I get this car, GMC Sierra 2022, uh, if I get um, this square footage in my house, if I get married, if when this happens, then I'll be happy. Then we get that thing. And it provides temporary satisfaction. But wherever you go, there you are. And we still find ways that it never satisfied, nor was it ever meant to satisfy. So think of all those things. Those things that you feel like God has, has seemingly left out on you. Because you probably have something. If I just had a girlfriend or a boyfriend. If I just had a job, if I just had this salary number, if I could just retire, if I could just have kids, um, if I could just get the kids out of the house, um, if I could, um, all those things, just add, just collectively gather it up, gather it all up, put it in a bag, bring it to God, all right? Here's God, you are obviously holding out on me. Because I'm missing these things. If I would just have these things, then I would be happy. Give it to them. Gather it all up. Give it to them. Do you, and you start to realize how petty all of this sounds, right? You're laughing at me, but we, we, in our mind internally, we live by this if then, if, if or when, then I will be. He says, for me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. And I realize we're all good Sunday morning church people here, and we know the right answer. We would all look at this and say, oh, well, Mike, the Sunday answer is, of, of course, it's I'm going to live for Jesus, to live as Jesus in my life, and to die as Christ. But I want to talk about the thing that you don't talk about. It's, it's the thing that, that, that threatens to take that place. How do you fill in the blank there? Because you have something that, that, that 
that wants to take first place, that is fighting for that, and we all have our things. Get rid of the Sunday church face, and, and what is it? For me to live is fame. To die is to be forgotten, or you feel insignificant. For me to live is comfort. I am most happy when this, the circumstances are all ideal. When everything is right in place and the temperature is 70.1. To me is, is, is comfort. To die is change. To die is, to, is uncertainty. For me to live is success. I want to be significant. I want to be known as successful. I want to win. Not bad, but to die is failure. Oh, you want to see me sucked of life? See me trip up and fail, and I'm the one who did it. What, how do you fill in this blank? Because however you fill this in, your joy is tied to those things, and you ride the roller coaster up and down, up and down, up and down. In our culture, you're not going to get this in culture, okay? Culture says, and you know this, and we naturally go here, satisfy me, take care of me, it's about me, pursue pleasure, sex, money, happiness. If you want to be happy, it's about myself and the things that can bring self-gratification. And if that's how you live, I know you are not happy. Very clearly, very clearly, if you want to be happy, you know that your life is not meant for you. It is meant for others. That happiness hint, the world does not revolve around me. That you and I are created for something far bigger than just yourself. But these are killjoys in life, driven by perspective, or uh, circumstances, people, critics, and misplaced priorities will suck the joy right out of you. So Paul goes, he's in, he's in prison, he's in chains. And he says, but what shall I choose? I don't know. I'm torn between the two. I desire to part, depart and, and, and be with Christ, which is f by far better. But it is necessary for you that I remain in the body. He's like, hey, if I'm going to be on this earth, my purpose he, is for you. It's for other people. If I, and th this is something that people that, who are happy know. Hey, if I am here, my life is to, to be for other people. Now, what's interesting is some scholars would say Paul's lost his mind here in his old age because he's in chains, in prison, talking about a choice that he's going to make. Paul, nobody asked. Nobody asked you, Paul, on whether or not you choose to live or die. Like, that's kind of outside of your uh, realm of authority here. You are at the mercy of of Rome, my dear friend, yet I don't know what I will choose. Paul's not in control. For our control freaks in here, this is an important verse for you and I. When were you ever in control? Paul cannot, and you cannot, and I cannot control what is going to happen next. But you and I do have a choice on how we respond to what happens next. Happiness hint. 
Happiness is a choice. You are as happy as you choose to be in any circumstance. Paul is in chains here, but he's not crazy. He is set free. You can have me all chained up. You can have me all bound up. You can have the circumstances all around me looking like they're a failure. And I choose joy. I choose faith. I choose others in this whole situation that God's going to work this out for good. Hello, Romans chapter 8. And so he's giving you a hint on joy that joy is not based on circumstance. It is a choice I have to choose, and I have to choose it daily, sometimes hourly, sometimes minute by minute. And here he's choosing. Since God hasn't removed the chains, the chains are still there. Since God hasn't removed them, I will ask him to use them. We can believe, like, when you give your life to Christ, and in a few minutes here, I'm going to give everyone an opportunity. If you've never given your life to Christ, and just say, hey, this is, this is a relationship that God wants with you. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to work for it. God just loves you. And he just says, hey, I want to have a relationship with you. It's that easy, yet it's that hard. When you give your life to Christ... God saves you. You are his son. You are his daughter. He wants to just spend the rest of not only this time on earth, but the rest of eternity in relationship with you. And while your sins are completely forgiven at that moment, never to be remembered anymore, Christ paid the price for them. That's the beauty of the gospel. That's the beauty of a relationship with Jesus. I still have all my baggage. I still have all the consequences from my life that come with me. My chains might still be bound on me. I might be free from sin, but I still am not free from the addictions or the impulses or the hurts or the pains or the baggage that come along with this. And I know for some of you, you we have believed this lie. Well, if I give my life to Christ, then I'll be free of this addiction. Only that addiction just haunts you and torments you and taunts you the entire time. You might, hey, I got saved and I gave my life to Christ. But then, wham, here comes this diagnosis. Or here comes this, this job loss and this financial loss and this wave that is all-consuming and drowning on you. I know for some of you, you didn't want the divorce. You didn't ask for it. You didn't see it. But boom, there it is. And now that my chains are here, I have a choice. And because they're not gone, I'm going to ask God to use them. I don't know how, but I, I'm going to give them over to him because I can't change my circumstances or control it. But I'm going to choose to put those chains in Christ's hands and he can use those as he pleases. Acts chapter 16 is where Paul starts the book of Philippians. Read it. It's beautiful. He starts the church of Philippi. Some people get saved. Some people get healed. And then not everybody likes Paul. Not everybody is supposed to like Paul. Not everybody is supposed to like you. He has his critics. If everybody likes you, then you're doing it wrong. doesn't mean you intentionally go to make people mad, but if you're living for Christ, you're going to eventually face some opposition. Paul gets beaten, stripped, and thrown into jail in Acts chapter 16. And it says around midnight, Paul and Silas started singing praises and hymns in the jail cell. 
You have a choice. You can worry about it and 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 worry about it. it, Or you can worship. You can let the chains break your worship or you can let your worship break your chains. Because around midnight, they started singing praises. God's still in control. God still has this. And miraculously, an earthquake happens. And it breaks all the chains. It breaks all the jail cells. And everybody gets set free in that moment. The jailer, like, "Uh uh-oh, this isn't good. And he knows in Rome, if you let these guys out, you're as good as dead. So he goes to commit suicide. Paul is still not thinking of himself in that moment. He says, whoa, 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 whoa. Don't take your life. God loves you. He loves you. This is for you. I'm in chains for you. And that guy gives his life to Christ, the jailer. So now you have a jailer in Philippi who is thankful that Paul and them started that church. Then his whole family gets saved too. What do you choose? I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not even saying it makes sense. But you have a choice on how you respond to any situation that you are giving. Paul is driven by purpose. Yet what shall I choose? When you give your life to Christ and you have a choice, that's not the only one that comes to you with a choice. Uh, There's a pastor that I really like. His name's Stephen Furtick, and he's out in North Carolina in this part here. He mentioned this, and it stuck with me. I'm like, oh, I got I to gotta share this. See, when you give your life to Christ and you follow him, and you're going to start taking next steps of faith with him, and I'm going I'm to worship him no matter what, you have an enemy. You have a target on your back. And the enemy, as it says, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus says, I've come that they may have life and have it to the fullest. And the enemy comes at you not with chains. He doesn't come in, oh, here's the chains. Let me just tie you up and bind you up. And and you would obviously know, like, no, absolutely not. I'm going to stay away. No, the enemy, he also comes to you with a choice. It's just a drink. It's just one look on the Internet, One, one, one movie, one clip. It's just one thing of unforgiveness and bitterness. It's just one. He comes at you with a a choice. But for all my people who are 25, 30 years and, and older in the room, what you don't know until you do know is that my choices today can become a habit tomorrow. I mean, it was just a, just a drink, just one bout of unforgiveness, but now I'm just angry. Now I just have, have rage. And, and habits over time can just become natural to us. That's just my default. It's, it's automatic. Now I just walk in and I'm angry. I just see everything that's going on. Now I can't, I can't, I can't go without having a drink. Now, it, it's not just sex, drugs, and, and alcohol. 
It's gossip. It's just it's how, it's how I go. Shopping. If I just, it's what I do. It's the thing that I go to. It's my thing. And eventually what is automatic and natural to us over time can become our identity. It's just who I am. Actually, I, whew, whew, yesterday, I'm walking out to my car, and I don't know these guys, but there's some uh, construction workers on the street across from us. I don't know. I was just within earshot, not trying to eavesdrop or anything. And I heard the gentleman say, you know what? I got a lot of rage in our family. My dad was a really angry man, and it's just kind of in us all. And it hit me when I was writing out these notes because I'm like, it eventually becomes who I am. What started as a choice can become a habit, can become automatic. And you know, the enemy, he'll start when you're young. Because he knows that you have a purpose. He knows that you're already victorious. He knows that you have, that God's on your side. He's with you. He's for you. All these powers can't reign. But he'll try to get you trapped and chained when you are young. There's an analogy of, a, of, a, of a, the elephant mindset where the idea is that they take these baby elephants when they are younger and they chain up their leg. And, and so anytime they try to move, it is just painful and, and they are trained and beaten down um, at, a, at a young age. You don't move from this post. You don't move away or it is just absolutely devastating and they will, they will train them to where then they are older, the analogy goes, that, that they can just be tied on with a, a loose string or rope. And as soon as they start to feel that slightest little bit of a tug, even though it's a rope, and they could easily just walk away free at any moment, they remember the pain and they stop and they stay bound up. You can see the wrestling in this with Paul in Romans chapter 7. In Romans chapter 7, he says, I want to do what is good, but I don't. And I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. This is you and I. This is the tension that we live in. Even though I am saved, I am in chains. Yet what shall I choose? Oh, let's get them wrapped up in their insecurities early on. Let's just teach them how, how they are not attractive, how they are not loved, how they are not wanted, how they are not enough, how they are less than. Let's get them bound up sexually when they're young. Let, let, let's just get them addicted to that at a young age. Let's have them hide it. Let's have them just um, kind of look at that. And then let's bring that into the marriage later on. Because we know that's going to stick. And let's have them chained and bound up at a young age. You have an enemy who wants to rob you of your joy. And I want to, this is the message. You've been lied to long enough. Do you want to be free? Do you want to be happy? You have a Savior. Even though I am chained, it is for Christ. If the Son has set you free, you are free indeed. So you don't have to stay bound up anymore. You don't have to stay chained up anymore. God has a great grand purpose for you that you need to take a step on in faith today. Guess what? 
You do have another choice. You have a choice to say, I'm going to follow Jesus on this next step of faith. I, I know this next step that I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to give my life to him and surrender to him today. I'm supposed to get plugged into a connect group because I'm trying to do this all alone and I need some help and I need a place where I can talk about faith. I need to get baptized. I've never made this public. I need to go invite someone or tell them about Jesus. I need to forgive somebody. You have a next step and you have a choice to make that. And guess what? Choices that you make, I'm going to follow Christ here and I'm going to follow Christ here. And I'm going to follow Christ here. doesn't make sense. I don't understand it. But I'm going to do it. Eventually, it can become habits. And the habits that you make in being faithful and following Christ, getting plugged in, using your gifts, I'm not going to be driven by people. I'm going to be driven by God's perspective. I'm going to be driven by His purposes. I'm going to be driven by His priorities, not mine, because this world doesn't revolve around me. Eventually, my habits can become almost automatic. I know that's God moving in my life. I know that voice. I've heard that voice. That's my shepherd. I'll follow him. And eventually, things that become automatic over time, this is who I am. I am a follower of Jesus. I follow him. And even though it doesn't make sense, and it's never easy, following Jesus is never easy or hardly ever easy, it is, but it is always better. Oh, that becomes who I am. You have a choice to make. You have a choice. Hey, you are as happy as you choose to be. I'll end it with this. Jesus said this about happiness. He, he, he did a sermon called the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And he started out his, his sermon his first words were happy. Blessed are those. Happy are those. Joyful are those. God blesses you when people mock you, persecute you, and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things against you because you are my followers. Oh, that sounds fun. Sign me up for that. Be happy about it. What? Are you crazy, Jesus? Be very glad for a great reward awaits you in heaven. Listen, listen, listen. Even in tough circumstances, and I've seen this play out so many times over my years in ministry, you're going to get persecuted. No matter what choice you make, someone's going to look at it and say, that was dumb. That's not, that doesn't make any sense. Family members, friends, whoever. It, you make a choice, you're going to have some people say, yeah, great idea, way to go. Other people will say, that, I don't understand, makes no sense. Why would you do that? If you made this choice, they would, this group of people would say, great job. These people would be saying the same thing. At the end of the day, what do you have to hold your head up high and hang your hat on? I did my best to follow what Jesus told me to do. Either way, I'm gonna, people are going to disagree with me, but I'm going to choose to align with you and do my best step. And I'm going to trust that if I make a misstep, you'll correct me, you'll lovingly correct me, and show me the next step that i got to take, and we'll keep going. Blessed are those who are free from trying to please people. What does it matter? I'm following Jesus. To live is fill in the blank. To die is there's only one right answer and it's the one who created you. The only thing meant to fill that, that void in your life, nothing else will satisfy it. Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, coming to earth, dying on the cross for your sin and my sin, saying, I love you and I want a relationship with you, your heavenly father. 
Nothing else will satisfy. Nothing else will bring that joy and freedom. Let's pray. Thank you again for taking the time to listen to the podcast this week. I hope you felt inspired to take your next step of faith with Jesus. Just a couple next steps that you can take coming out of this. One, rate and review the podcast. That really does get the message out to other people faster, as well as click subscribe to make sure you get the latest content as it rolls out each week. And finally, if you want to partner with us financially, head on over to our website, click the word give. That's going to get the message out through our ministries further and faster. Have a wonderful week. God bless.